0: This special episode was recorded live in front of an audience at Samsung KX in London. Jessie Inchowspy, otherwise known as the Glucose Goddess, educated us on some of the most fascinating points about glucose. What it is, what are the symptoms of too much glucose, what are the dangers of it, how it triggers brain fog, how it can impact our sleep, and also some great hacks on how to reduce glucose spikes like the order in which you eat food, not having a sweet breakfast, and how on earth apple cider vinegar can lower that glucose response. Interesting stuff. Hi, I'm Davinia Taylor, and welcome to Hack Your Health, a podcast which can support a fast track to feeling your best, boosting your mood, and uplifting your general outlook on life. My biohacking journey began over eight years ago, which led me to having a ridiculously inquiring mind, always asking questions and searching for the answers. For example, why do I sometimes lose focus and what makes me sign up to a marathon at 45? Or one of my first ever questions, what the hell makes me so allergic to alcohol that I can't ever drink again and how do I manage that? After all, what is addiction and how can it be tamed? Over the years, I've done tons of research and become my own N of one experiment, trying and testing some of the most out there and fringe hypotheses to find out what actually works for me. Me being an average middle-aged British woman with the usual ups and downs of 21st century living. And now I want to share with you what I've learned. I'll be joined by some of the best visionaries in the health and biohacking space, asking them to put forward their arguments and suggestions that could support your health and well-being. As with everything, there is never a one-size-fits-all approach, so I ask you take these conversations as food for thought. The advice you hear should never be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. But whatever you do, stay inquisitive. And as always, I love your feedback and your experience about what we talk about. And thanks to our sponsors, which is Will Powders this week, who are our partners for this episode. You'll hear more about their great products later in the show. Now let's go and hack your health. I'm incredibly excited to introduce our special guest today. She's a French biologist best-selling author and founder of the Glucose Goddess Movement, helping hundreds of thousands of people to improve their health by making cutting-edge science accessible. In other words, she wants to empower you lot and make you feel energized. Let's all welcome Jessie in Chow Spee. Right, okay, so... I think we connected before the lockdown, didn't we? Was you were it? one of
1: the first people to like, be one of my supporters, so I just want to say thank you, because it meant a lot. This was maybe three years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that.
0: I mean, yeah. I was fascinated to... Well, first of all, I didn't know anything about glucose. You just think, Ooh, it's sugar, everyone avoids sugar, and it's kind of impossible, isn't it? Yeah. And then when you start... Well, first of
1: all, what is glucose? Amazing question. Right. Okay, everybody. Biochemistry 101. Glucose is your body's favorite source of energy. So every single cell in your body uses glucose to power itself. So right now, my hand cells are using glucose to move. My heart cells are using glucose to pump. Basically, as a human being, you need a lot of glucose. The main way that we give glucose to our body is by eating. By eating mostly two things. Starchy foods like pasta, rice, potatoes, bread, and sweet foods. So anything that tastes sweet or that has sugar in it. Now, you might think, okay, if I need glucose for energy and I want a lot of energy because I got stuff to do, maybe I should eat as many starchy and sweet foods as possible. Which
0: is what we're told to do, isn't it?
1: Right. Yeah. Like in the morning, have, make sure you have a lot of yeah. sugar to yeah. get energy for the day. So this is actually where the whole thing breaks down. Okay. Because, And I like to take the image of a plant. So if you need to make sure that your plant at home survives, you know that you need to give your plant a little bit of water, right? But if by mistake you give your plant too much water, then the plant dies. Okay, so a little bit of water, but too much water causes issues. And the human body is exactly the same. We need some glucose, but too much glucose and problems start happening.
0: Okay, so I mean, what are the symptoms then? So how do we know? Well, first of all, before we get on, how, how do we know it? Like say this, yeah. what are the symptoms of too much glucose?
1: So the most common symptoms are cravings. Anybody have cravings?
0: Cravings all the time. Okay.
1: Um, Feeling tired. Yeah, okay. So, those are the most common symptoms. And then, depending on your body, you might see a whole wide variety of things. So, maybe it's eczema, psoriasis, acne, maybe it's hormonal issues. Okay. Right? PCOS is very tightly linked to glucose levels. Um, Maybe you're seeing problems in your sleep. Maybe you're waking up feeling not very rested. Maybe your mental health is suffering. So one of the most common symptoms of glucose spikes in the brain is brain fog. So just feeling like a little bit like, Ooh, not really clear-minded. And that's actually why I got into this space in the first place, to try to figure out how to make my mental health better. So basically all this to say, most of us benefit from studying our glucose levels. And the studies show us that most of us, even if we don't have diabetes, have glucose spikes. So big increases in glucose on a daily basis. And then long-term, too much glucose obviously leads to type 2 diabetes, right? Right. That's the most common long-term... Conclusion of too many glucose spikes for too long and also increases our risk of cancer, of dementia, of heart disease, of fatty liver disease. Basically, it's just not, there's no real advantage to having many glucose spikes. And most of us are caught, you know, in this roller coaster of spikes and drops and spikes and drops. And by breaking free of that, we can really have a much better experience of our life. So,
0: okay, so you just touched on um, type 2 diabetes, and we always generally think of that's, you know, that's an obesity problem, they're tightly linked. Mm -hmm. But with these sugar peaks and troughs, you could be lean, can't you, as well, and still be suffering things like polycystic ovaries. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's kind of like, it gets compartmentalized, doesn't it, that it's, it's somebody who's got weight issues. It's that's that 's the person who's struggling with glucose, yeah, for but a long not th- the
1: case, right, no, because for a long time we were told, oh, if you have you know heart disease, if you have type 2 diabetes, whatever, just lose weight, right Fat is the problem Well, now we know that 's really not the case, and that 's kind of a very fat phobic approach to take like you can be you can have very little body fat, and on the inside be very sick, right? You can have fatty liver disease by having a small body. You can have type 2 diabetes even if you have a small body. Now we understand that it's much more nuanced than that. Okay. And so anybody can be experiencing glucose spikes regardless of their body size. And that's a really important point to make.
0: You said, I, I, was list- I think I was listening to, no, I was looking at one of your, your posts just recently and you said something that I've not heard before, that body fat is the body's way of protecting itself. Can you explain that, particularly in this whole fat-phobic world we live in? And everyone's got to be super lean, otherwise you're ill. So So what is the purpose of body fat? In
1: the context of glucose spikes, right? When a glucose spike happens in your body, there's a few things that take place on the inside. Number one, inflammation goes up in your body. And number two, this process called glycation, which is kind of like cooking, because basically you're kind of like a chicken, okay? So from the moment you're born, you start slowly cooking, and then when you're fully cooked, you die. This may sound crazy, but it's... (laughs) It's the truth. So glycation... Oh, <laughs> so you're cooking, and that cooking process is aging, essentially. It's called glycation. And on the skin, it might show up as wrinkles, and on the inside, well, your organs are slowly deteriorating. So all this to say that when a glucose spike happens in your body, inflammation goes up and glycation goes up. And your body wants to protect you from these side effects of the glucose spikes. And so one of the ways that it does that is by grabbing the excess glucose that's floating around in your system and putting it away so it can't cause harm anymore. And the main places your body puts this extra glucose away is in your liver, in your muscles, and in your fat cells. So that's one of the ways that we gain fat on our body, it's through our body protecting us from the excess glucose. And so it's quite an interesting thing to think about because if genetically you're completely unable to grow your fat cells, yep. you're going to be much less protected against type 2 diabetes, right? Interesting. So, so people of Asian descent, for example, usually have a much harder time growing fat on their body, and so they tend to get type 2 diabetes faster. It's very nuanced, right? Yep. And, of course, once you do have body fat, depending on the type of body fat, where it is, etc., it can also cause some health problems. But it's not as simple as, oh, fat is bad, and having a small body and no fat is good.
0: Okay. Um, you you mentioned the reason why you got into this was brain fog. Okay, yeah. I think lots of us here have had brain fog. I mean, I get it when I, I get it when the weather's bad. You know, oh, yeah? and then I end up reaching for like junk food more. When and the more weather's than, bad. Yeah, when it's like oppressive. I was just talking to one of my fellow Northerners, and it's like that, blooming horrible heavy it's sky. Like an animal that can yeah, like, sense the storm. Oh god, I'll have a pizza. <laughs> How's that going to help? But I, can you tell me how on earth does glucose trigger brain fog? Yeah,
1: in, of course. And so, why? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, all the cells in your body use glucose for energy, and the cells in your brain also use glucose for energy, right? Makes sense. And your brain cells actually use a whole bunch of glucose, like your brain is the most glucose-hungry organ that we have. And so the inflammation and the glycation that I just explained, your brain cells also feel it. And scientists have found that one of the symptoms of your brain cells having to deal with these glucose spikes and these side effects is simply brain fog. Essentially, your neurons, instead of being able to share information very quickly, the speed of the information going through slows down a little bit. And we feel that as brain fog. And so particularly, so in my case, I got into this topic because of mental health issues. So when I was in my early 20s, I broke my back jumping off a waterfall. Bad idea, do not jump off waterfalls. No intention. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Uh, So I had super intense surgery, like a lot of physical problems, but then I started developing a lot of mental health issues. And it was brain fog, but it was also this feeling of, just not being in my body. It was called depersonalization, a bit weird stuff. Um, and so I got super interested in health because I was like, I need to figure out how to heal myself. Yeah. So anyway, I studied biochemistry, worked in genetics, and then when I came across glucose, I found that the more spikes I was having in my diet, the worse my mental health was. And that's really what cemented this passion. And I was wearing a glucose monitor like you are, and that's what allowed me to see that these spikes were correlated with just me having really bad days.
0: I mean, why is this not out there? Because we're always talking about mental health on the TV. And, you know, we've got to look after our mental health. But there's never any rhetoric that says what you eat goes hand in hand with your mental health. What, what do you think that, that's about? I mean, how do you, I, it really annoys me. Look yeah. after your mental health, bake a cake. You're like, <laughs> well, I hate baking anyway. I'm shit at it. But it's like, you maniac, you're making
1: it worse. Oh, man, that's a difficult question. I'm kind of an optimist. Okay. So I feel like, yeah, it's shitty, there's a lot of problems, yes, but also I feel like people want answers, and people yeah. are searching for solutions, and so I try to focus on that, because okay. otherwise you just don't do anything. If you start staring at the issue for too long, like I would not do this, You know, I would be too overwhelming. So I try to just focus on the people who really want answers, yeah. who are trying to get better, and it's a bit like you, right? You're serving an audience and a community of folks who really, they want to feel better. Well,
0: they're sick and tired of being sick and tired exactly. like I was. Just like, this can't be right. I can't just be hitting middle-aged in my, exactly. in my late 30s. But I
1: agree with you that it's not mainstream enough. And in the mainstream consciousness, glucose is still associated with just type 2 diabetes. But it's changing. You know, I okay. work with incredible doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, hospital staff who are using my work to get this new science to patients. So I'm an internal optimist.
0: Okay, right. So how do you go about hacking your glucose yes. to keep it level bearing in mind we're all busy We probably got kids or husbands or ex-husbands or whatever we've got going on <laughs> and everything triggers right so give us some ideas of how, what did you start
1: with well the first thought I had was like fuck I love chocolate and pasta
0: right
1: right and I was like man like I understood that glucose was mostly in starches and sugars and so I thought oh my god does this mean I have to just never eat starches and sugars?' which is ever standard again? advice yeah cut it out and um, I was like, no, it was not going to happen. I'm still going to eat my spaghetti. So I looked at all the scientific studies. And thankfully, a lot of new studies had just come out in the past five years, teaching us these very simple principles that allow us to still eat chocolate and pasta while reducing the spike they create in our body. So essentially, maximum pleasure, minimal impact. And so out of these scientific studies, I think I looked at 300 scientific studies, I distilled 10 hacks. 10 pieces of advice that anybody can do starting today. They don't cost anything. They don't ask you to get rid of anything in your diet. So we're not cutting out any foods. And they actually usually ask you to eat more than you usually do. So should we get to them? Yes. Okay. First one, easiest one to start with, is eat your food in the right order. So next time you're faced with a meal, you need to know that depending on the order in which you eat the constituents of that meal, the meal will have a vastly different impact on your glucose levels. Okay. Scientists show that just by changing the order, you can reduce the spike by 75%.
0: So this always brings you back to a restaurant who always serve really nice, warm, gorgeous, ready to melt butter into
1: bread. And that's not the right thing to start with. Okay. The right okay. thing to start with. Shame! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have a whole conspiracy theory about this. I'll get back to it in a second. Okay. So the right way to start your meals is by starting with your vegetables. Because vegetables contain fiber. And fiber does this amazing... Superwoman Transformers thing when you eat it first during a meal. Fiber arrives in your upper intestine and deploys itself onto the walls of your intestine, creating a viscous protective mesh. And it stays there for a couple of hours. That mesh prevents your body from absorbing too much glucose molecules coming down afterwards. So it reduces the spike of that meal. You're still eating the exact same meal. You're just having the veggies first and you're protecting yourself.
0: And how many veggies? I'm not a big veggie term. Oh, God. (laughs) Vegetables. How many veggies do we have to eat beforehand? Do they have to be cooked? Do they have to be
1: in butter? I mean, what do they have to be? They can be any type of veggies you want, raw, cooked, whatever. Even carrots. Even carrots. And if you hate veggies, you know, you can have just like one little baby carrot or one slice of cucumber, and that's already better than no veggies at all. Ideally, you work your way up to 30% of your meal is this veggie starter, okay? But if you can only have one cherry tomato, like, I'm here to say you're doing a great job.
0: Even though they seem, they taste quite sweet to the palate. Yes, that fiber is still strong enough to Absolutely. create the mesh and reduce the impact. of Yes. The now, of course,
1: if you had like a big plate of broccoli, and you can dress your veggies with whatever, whatever you want, you okay. know, like some fat, some proteins, whatever. Of course, thirty percent of your meal is better, but. We're busy. Sometimes I only have like a little piece of broccoli from leftover food from last night and that's what I'll have as my veggie starter.
0: Okay, so by doing that and then you carry on with your pasta, et cetera, what will you mitigate afterwards? So what are you trying to stop happening afterwards when that, what, what is that drop off? Yeah, so
1: you're trying to stop the spike and then most importantly, the higher the spike, the bigger the drop. And this drop specifically leads to many symptoms that we all know far too well. So cravings. Scientists at Yale University have found that when your glucose levels are low, the craving center in your brain activates and tells you to find something sweet to eat. Okay? It's a biological mechanism. If you have cravings, it's not a willpower issue. You're not weak. It's literally just your brain reacting to your low glucose levels. So, I mean, it's one of the reasons we have cravings. So you're mitigating the craving cycle, you're mitigating too much hunger, you're mitigating fatigue, essentially, because the more you're on a glucose roller coaster, the more your mitochondria, the little factories inside of your cells, are going to become tired and not able to make energy anymore. And I think that this hack is a really easy one for people to start with because you feel the effects quite immediately. If you're somebody who is used to having 3 p.m. cravings or to feel tired throughout the day, this can really transform how you're feeling, and then you start the virtuous cycle.
0: I was just talking about the restaurant situation and I was reading that that bread is put there oh, yeah, to trigger the dessert craving. Okay. So, so is that
1: right? I just have to be very clear. So this is a theory I came up with. It's not, I don't have any confirmation that this is a real thing, but my thinking was like, okay, if you start your meal with starches, okay. Nice, gorgeous. Yeah. No, like, let's bread. say bread, right? Bread is a starch. Bread, starch, starch is glucose. So you eat the bread first. All the glucose molecules go really, really quickly through your digestive system and into your bloodstream. Big glucose spike. And then about you know 90 minutes later, big crash. This crash triggers craving. So I was like, okay, if I owned a restaurant, I would definitely put the bread there first. That way, 90 minutes in, maybe it's time for dessert. All of my guests Guaranteed. really want to eat something sweet.
0: Guaranteed. I don't think you need to do any research. <laughs> Every single restaurant gives you a lovely bit of bread. You know, I it?
1: got a lot of messages from people who own restaurants. They were like, that's not why we do it. It's because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. okay. it's because yeah. people people are hungry and while they're waiting, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got your card. Yeah, yeah. So you suddenly pull out a load of little tiny like
0: carrots or yes. something. And it's, so just, it's not the same though, is it? You're like... But but you can have your carrot, then
1: your bread. Yeah, exactly. The idea is like the bread, have it more towards the end of the meal. You don't have to cut it out. Like it's not necessary. Just if you have it after your main dish, for example, you're going to reduce the spike it creates. So reduce any symptoms.
0: Okay. So while we're still in the brain mechanism, what are the long-term implications for constant glucose spikes?
1: So the most common ones, as I mentioned, are type 2 diabetes, which is probably the most common consequence of too many glucose spikes, specifically The more glucose spikes you have, the more your body is going to release insulin into the system. And too much insulin over time is a bit technical, but it leads to insulin resistance. And that then is essentially type 2 diabetes. And then the brain impact is really interesting. So some scientists have been calling Alzheimer's disease type 3 diabetes. Because what happens in the brain when we have Alzheimer's disease is quite similar to what happens in the cells of our body when we have type 2 diabetes. Essentially, they can't get glucose in anymore. They're inflamed. They're glycated. Nothing's working very well. And I saw an article this week that a 19-year-old boy has been diagnosed yes. with Alzheimer's China. disease for the first time. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I, I saw that. I think... W- the UK and the USA are we like one of the only few countries that still call it Alzheimer's and not type three diabetes?
1: Not not everybody calls it type 2 diabetes. It's a very small subset of like the scientific community. Oh, right, okay. It's not at all like a big thing yet. But the more and more studies are pointing to the fact that it's a metabolic disease, you know, meaning it's not something you can't do anything about. Meaning it's something that has to do with your energy, your body, how you're dealing with food, etc. And for a long time, type two diabetes was called adult onset diabetes, and then people who were 10 years old, started getting type 2 diabetes. So we scratched that name and it's very possible, but you know, touch wood, I hope this doesn't happen, but it's possible that Alzheimer's is going to keep happening to younger and younger people if we find out that it is in fact a metabolic disease. So anyway, I'm touching wood, that's not going to happen. So our sponsor this week
0: is of course my company, Will Powders. Feed the brain and the body will follow. The whole of our range is designed to give you energy, vitality, without any insulin spikes at all. My whole journey into well-being began with me swapping my fuel source from glucose to fat. That fat is the humble MCT, otherwise known as the medium-chain triglyceride, and it's from a coconut. Once you consume some MCTs, the liver converts it into ketones, which is a sustainable and efficient form of energy for the brain. And the best thing about it is you don't get any crashes. You will have learned that crashes mean cravings for carbs, more brain fog and, of course, weight gain. If I want to stay lean and I want to stay focused, if I want to stay in a good mood and if I want to stay on top of my game, I use keto powder and collagen in my coffee in the morning or sometimes I'll splash out and have it in my tea. Immediately, my carb-seeking brain shuts off and I can get on with my day without feeling I'm peckish for snacks. I also support my mental health by boosting my dopamine levels with our nootropics range. And I chill myself out with Calm, which is an amino acid called L-theanine, which is also brilliant for teenagers who are going through exam season or times of anxiety. For more information, visit our website, www.willpowders.com. And I'm always available to DM on our Instagram handle, which is at willpowders. Having wheel powders in my kitchen cupboard is the daily artillery that keeps me navigating the usual midlife crises without piling on the pounds or feeling overwhelmed or stressed. My advice if you're just starting is get ahead of your cravings with wheel powders. It will literally change the trajectory of your life. All right, then. So you touched on one hack, which is yes. put your food in the right order. So start with your vegetables. Give us some other easy hacks okay. to do, particularly because t- you touched on children as well. My kids constantly are exposed to party food. Yeah. So when we were young, you just, my mom used to make the world's worst stew. But you know, but <laughs> I, I just find my kids are constantly, well, I want pizza, I want nuggets, yeah. you know, fast, fast, fast food. It's Especially
1: a- breakfast food. You know, that's yeah. changed a lot. Let's talk about breakfast for a okay. second. So a lot of us have heard you need to eat sugar in the morning to have energy. And I'm the first person who was a victim of this when I was growing up. I would have a big glass of orange juice and a Nutella crepe every morning. I'm French, okay? So crepes with Nutella every morning before school for like a decade with the orange juice. So
0: here it's generally, well, the amount of people that say to me, well, I've got Weetabix. The kids have Weetabix. Weetabix, Weetabix, Weetabix. It's healthy or something that gives them fiber. A great fiber provider
1: is the usual sort of like logo. And so essentially what we're Eating are starches, right? right. Starches, wheat, is a starch and sugars. And so again, you might have heard sugar gives your body energy. Yeah. Actually, that's not really the case. What happens when you eat something sweet is that your brain feels a release of dopamine. You were talking about dopamine yeah. with the cold showers, right? So dopamine is a pleasure molecule. It's the same molecule that gets released when we have sex when we play the casino when we take illegal drugs like dopamine is really addictive to the human brain and when we eat something sweet it's a very easy way to get a hit
0: and sometimes these hits
1: are subconscious
0: aren't they it's not like you suddenly go oh my god i'm off my head on something no but you feel oh. you feel you awake feel... okay <laughs> i don't get that from yeah. the
1: <laughs> no but you feel a bit perked up from the sugar yeah. You know, you feel like a bit like, whoa. And you might think that's energy. It's actually just dopamine. And okay. on the inside, the more sugar you're eating, the more you're harming your mitochondria, the actual things responsible for making energy in your body. And so long-term, that leads to chronic fatigue. You keep eating the wheat and the orange juice. You feel that per cup, so you think, okay, I'm getting energy. But on the inside, your mitochondria are suffering. And over time, they can't make energy anymore. So you're chronically fatigued. Okay. So breakfast hack yeah. is instead of having a sweet breakfast, have a savory breakfast that's built around protein. Okay, so protein at breakfast. My favorite protein at breakfast is leftover food. So this morning I had leftover salmon for breakfast. And then you can throw in whatever you want, some fat, some fiber, etc. But really try to think of your breakfast as just another regular meal, not as needing to have dessert. A special I mean, it dessert is dessert. Food. So like,
0: I'm, I, I always like called Pratamange, It's like a vortex, isn't yeah. it? You go in there and you, everything's like a breakfast something, but
1: really it's just, it's just dessert. It's just isn't dessert. Right? It literally is dessert with coffee on the side. Exactly. And on top of that, if at breakfast you have a big glucose spike, your entire day's glucose levels are going to be deregulated. So your breakfast really dictates how your entire day is going to go. So if you've always had just starches and sugars for breakfast, try the savory option. And you might have a very different experience of your day. For me, it was like unlocking a whole new world.
0: Well, I mean, I I kind of intermittent fast. Well, I do a fat fast. So I have like um, a fatty coffee. I'll pop a bit of collagen in there, a bit of MCT or a bit of grass-fed butter. I'll whiz it up. And that normally satisfies me. But if it's like I'm away on holiday with the kids and the kids are there as well, I generally, we have eggs, bacon and eggs. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, I mean... People go, oh my God, you're giving them a fry-up. like, hell yeah, they're having a fry-up.
1: Well, for a long time, we thought eggs are bad for the heart, right? Because eggs yeah. contain cholesterol. Cholesterol is bad for the heart. Therefore, eggs are bad. So <laughs> that thing has been debunked. And I know you had a guest talking about this, but essentially we know two things. Number one, eating cholesterol does not increase cholesterol in the blood. And number two, the amount of cholesterol in your blood is actually not at all a good indicator of your heart health. Yeah. So that whole thing has been broken down. We know that now it's much more damaging to eat sugar. And that really increases heart disease risk much more than eating eggs. So eggs are fine.
0: Okay, so breakfast, try and keep it savoury. But what happens if you have to finish strong with something sweet? What's that about? Because whenever I have a a savoury meal, I always go picky. Well, picky. You know, What's thought about?
1: After a sa- I don't know, but after a savory meal is the best time to have sugar. So that's another okay. hack. If you want to eat sugar, have it as dessert after a meal instead of on an empty stomach because you're still getting the pleasure, the dopamine, but because there's other stuff in your stomach, it won't create as big of a glucose spike because the glucose molecules arriving in your bloodstream will be slowed down. So it's a very good... I love sugar. I have sugar all the time, but I always have it as dessert. Never first thing, never between meals, never empty stuff. So what
0: about things like smoothies everywhere? So yep. Fruit smoothies. I mean, literally, even green smoothies are mixed
1: with Usually apple Usually you have juice. apple and pineapple. Yeah. 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 So you have to be super careful about the ingredients on a smoothie. If you want to make sure you have a smoothie that actually keeps your glucose level steady, make sure it has protein in it. So protein powder or like some nuts, something like that. Make sure it has fat in it and make sure that it's not just pure fruit. So if you go to the supermarket and you see like green detox smoothie, whatever, like turn it over. And if it says apple juice, pineapple juice, like that's just not a good vibe. It's got that much cucumber in. it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But there's so much of that. I see yeah. these green juices everywhere, but it's, it's just actually food, just isn't fruit it, with a little bit of green stuff in it. Okay. One of my favorite
0: hacks of yours yeah. is apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. before
1: you eat. Yeah. Please tell me why it works. For sure. So actually it's any type of vinegar. Okay. It can be... Apple cider vinegar is like the popular one. Okay. It's like the trendy one, but actually any vinegar works. And it doesn't
0: have to be the one with the mother in the familiar. one. No, it doesn't. Okay,
1: just any vinegar. Any vinegar. Okay. I I mean, you know, if you want to get fancy, you can get vinegars that taste really good. So the hack might be easier, but really any vinegar works. So here's the hack. And when I first learned about this, I thought it was like a crazy Instagram fad. Yeah. To be very clear, like I was super skeptical. But I looked at the clinical trials and the data is actually pretty cool. So one tablespoon of vinegar in a big, big glass of water before a meal can reduce the glucose spike of that meal by up to 30%. And the insulin spike of that meal by up to 20%, which is very important as well. And you can have it in water or you can drizzle it as a dressing on your veggie starters, for example. Really easy. You can, I mean, you can mix it with other stuff like lemon juice, sparkling water, whatever. And this reduces the spike. Without needing How does to eat that anything.
0: mechanism work? What is it in the gut that reacts with the vinegar? I mean, why?
1: The vinegar has a molecule in it called acetic acid, and that's the key molecule that has this effect. So acetic acid does a few things. You know how I explained that starches, when we digest them, they turn to glucose in the body? Well, acetic acid slows down that process. So it kind of like slows down how quickly glucose molecules are going to arrive in your bloodstream. Second, acetic acid goes to your muscles, And it tells your muscles to soak up more glucose as it's arriving in your bloodstream. So you have slower glucose arriving in the blood and more uptake of glucose from the muscles. As a result, smaller spike.
0: Would that be a good like, pre-workout then, I guess?
1: You know, that's a good question. I have to figure that out. I I don't know exactly the answer to that, but I got the question yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, I have to look at that. seems to
0: make sense to me.
1: I wonder. Maybe. Yeah, maybe.
0: Let's find out.
1: (laughs) Let's find out. Although when you're exercising, you know your muscles can uptake glucose really easily without needing insulin, for example. So that's another hack. Use your muscles after eating. Super powerful. 10 minutes after a meal, you can walk, you can do my new favorite thing, calf raises. So you go like this, and your calf... Has this muscle in it it's called the soleus muscle? Yeah, that's very, very good at soaking up glucose from your bloodstream. For people who can't <laughs> see, for people with who can't see in the back, i just doing this, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Elsa! <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that, but you can also go for a walk. You can do a workout video. You can dance. You can clean your apartment, and whatever. Using your muscles after a meal, very effective way to reduce the spike. Again, without changing what you're eating, right? And that's so key. Like we can. Put in place these little hacks, almost like gentle giants in our days. That's how I like to think about them. And we can have great impact on our health, physically and mentally, without too much effort, just by adding a few things. And I guess it just becomes habit, right? It does, yeah. And because you start to feel so much better so quickly. um,
0: I mean, how long will we notice it? How long will it take to feel it? Honestly,
1: if you've been on a glucose roller coaster your whole life and you Today or tomorrow you start you try one or two hacks you'll feel the difference immediately. I mean if you go from a sweet breakfast to a savory breakfast and eat your veggies first at lunch, a whole new experience of life. Fabulous.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. That's easy people. Yeah. Isn't it? It's an easy yeah. sell. Okay. <laughs> What other things can influence our glucose levels? I mean, I'm I'm wearing one of these now, and I've I've been in like a sauna today. I've not looked at the data yet, but I've been in an infrared sauna. I had a cold shower. What else, what other life stresses can influence
1: it? So many things. That's why if you and I were both wearing a glucose monitor and we ate the same food, we'd see completely different spikes. Okay. Because there's so many factors at play. Of course, what you're eating, but also your muscle mass, your age, what part of the menstrual cycle you're in, your microbiome, your DNA, your stress level, how hydrated you are. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. So what's important to remember is that if we had, let's say we had both had a cookie, okay? Both of our spikes, I mean, our spikes would look very different because of all these reasons. But if we had both used a hack before the cookie, both our spikes would be smaller proportionally, right? So the hacks work in everybody, but you can't really compare two people's spikes and sort of make any conclusions it's so dependent on your own body because my
0: father-in-law is doing the uh, zoe app so he's got one of these on at the moment and he had a glass of white wine the other night and i was really surprised because i'm like no one should drink you know (laughs) whatever but um he said his glucose went down it dipped what's that about i thought wine had Send it skyrocketing. So
1: this is one of the pitfalls of glucose monitors: is that sometimes something keeps your glucose levels more steady, and so you might go to the conclusion that it's better for you when actually has something else going on.
0: Because that's a fast track to alcoholism. Yes. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) see you in rehab. So it's. it's, (laughs) So you're correct. Like if you're having a pasta dish, for example, and then you compare that to pasta dish plus wine, you'll see that the pasta plus wine creates a smaller spike than the pasta alone. So you might think, amazing, I'm just gonna add wine to every, every meal, <laughs> and then I'll <laughs> have steady glucose. Naturally, breakfast. Yeah. And a, a perfect, uh, slam dunk. So actually, it's not that simple. So wine, the reason that you see that the spike is smaller is because when you're drinking alcohol, so alcohol is a poison for the body, okay, and your liver has to deal with that poison. And while your liver is busy, dealing with the alcohol, it can no longer perform one of its most important roles, which is to regulate your glucose levels and make sure there's enough glucose in your bloodstream at all times. So the reason you're seeing a smaller spike is just because your liver is having some issues. issues. (laughs) yeah. And that's one of the pitfalls. Another one is if you add a lot of fat to a food, like if you add, for example, like a lot of vegetable oils or like, you know, unhealthy fats, you will see the spike also of that food decrease because fat slows down how quickly glucose gets to the bloodstream. So again, if you're wearing a glucose monitor and you don't have this information, you might think, amazing, I'm just going to eat fat and alcohol. And really, glucose... it's just
0: a distraction. <laughs> yeah, it's right. a distraction. Okay, right? yeah.
1: So that's why it's important to, if you're wearing a glucose monitor, to make sure you have that context. You know, my book is a great place to start, but it can be a little bit confusing to interpret the data sometimes when yeah. you see something like that. And you might also see, oh, exercise is causing a spike. That means exercise is bad. No, it's because when you're exercising, your muscle is going to pump out all this glucose in your bloodstream to feed your muscles, right? But that spike is not bad. That spike actually... Is good for you so there's a few little things you need to be aware of
0: um i saw a post that you suggested that during uh like just before your period mm-hmm. your cravings or your insulin spikes mm-hmm. get much more ferocious yeah can you explain and elaborate on how you hack around that yeah and what happens when you hit the menopause and
1: perimenopause as well obviously hormones are at play here absolutely so the week before your period if you eat the same food as you usually do, that same food will create a bigger glucose spike than usual, okay? And you can't do anything about this is because of your hormone levels changing. And so you might feel a lot of cravings before your period, and one of the reasons for those cravings might be because your usual foods are creating bigger spikes, therefore bigger drops, and creating the cravings during the drops. So before your period, very important to use the hacks to try to mitigate that. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, nobody wants cravings, but it's tough. It happens. But we have some tools we can use with the hacks. And then menopause, what's cool is that the studies show us that the steadier your glucose levels are, the less you feel symptoms of the menopause. So of course it's an earthquake, lots of stuff is, are going on, your hormones yep. are all out of whack, et cetera. But by keeping your glucose level steady, you help your hormonal axis, you help your hormonal system, whether it's menopause symptoms, whether it's fertility, whether it's PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, et cetera. Keeping your glucose level steady is paramount to helping your hormonal system function well. So if you're dealing with any of those issues, make sure your blood sugar is steady. It's like the foundation in the house. It's very important.
0: Okay. And what about sleep?
1: How Mm. does glucose impact our sleep? Glucose and sleep are like two peas in a pod. They impact each other. So if you have a lot of glucose spikes before you go to bed, your sleep will not be as restful and regenerative. Mm -hmm. And then when you're tired, the same foods create bigger glucose spikes in your body. So it can become a vicious cycle. Right? You don't sleep well, therefore you crave more sweet foods, therefore you eat more sweet foods, you have more glucose spikes and you don't sleep well. I mean, it's a bit of a nightmare. And the way you stop that cycle is by trying some of the hacks. So you steady your glucose levels, oh, you sleep a bit better, and then you wake up and you don't have so many cravings anymore. So it's it's vicious or it's virtuous, and you have power to control in which direction that cycle is going.
0: I like that, vicious or virtuous. <laughs> oh, I'm going I'm to nick that one. a good band's name, actually. Yeah, something I'll use that. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so we have a lot of sweeteners out there. There's mm-hmm. tons of marketing, zero sugar, low-cal. What are your thoughts on the new sweeteners that are everywhere?
1: So I think that for me, there's two categories of sweeteners. There's like the... Nutritives, I mean, the sweeteners with calories, so like honey, agave, yeah. brown sugar, white sugar, coconut sugar, etc. maple syrup. For that category, it's important to know that regardless of all the marketing you might be seeing, they're all just glucose and fructose molecules. Basically, they're just all sugar, whether, you know, they come in a different packaging, have a different look, have a different price on your body. It's all the same. So pick the one you like most, okay, because they're all the same. So just
0: to be clear, refined sugar and say coconut sugar. It's the same. It's just sort of like health washing, I call it. Absolutely. You're just paying a
1: premium. Exactly. So something with coconut sugar is gonna have a big impact on your body, just like something with real sugar. It's not just sounds nice. Doesn't it? New stuff coming up all the time, right? And you might also hear like, oh agave syrup, low glycemic index. And that's actually and again, technical, and if you want to read more, it's on my book, but agave has a bit less glucose in it than regular sugar. That means the glucose spike is smaller. But agave has more fructose in it than regular sugar. And fructose is much worse for our health than glucose. So agave is actually way worse for us than regular sugar, despite what the marketing says.
0: So how do fructose and glucose work in tandem?
1: What, are they like twisted twins or what? <laughs> what are they trying to do to us? So table sugar or yeah. sugar is one bit of glucose and one bit of fructose put together, and that's table sugar. And that's what you find in coconut sugar, in table sugar, in agave, in honey, in maple syrup, in fruit juice. Like, that's just all the same molecule. And your body doesn't care whether that glucose fructose combo came from honey or agave or coconut sugar or, or whatever. Date sugar. syrup, that's what's well, like, syrup everything. Yeah. Exactly. Or fruit juice concentrate. Like, your body does not care. So, Again, the point is pick the one you like the most. And then on the sweetener front, so essentially sweeteners are always going to be a better idea than real sugar. So Coke Zero, Coke Light, is always going to be better for your health than regular sugar. Sweeteners have a bad rep. People say... They're unnatural, they're artificial, they hurt your microbiome, they create cravings, which is true. They're not like amazing. But real sugar has way more impact and way more negative impact on your body than sweeteners do. So that's an important thing. And especially if you pick things like stevia, allulose, monk fruit, like those are pretty harmless. Like those are the even better subcategory of sweeteners. So, but again, like personally, I don't love sweeteners. So I'd rather have like a real ice cream or a real chocolate cake when I really want it and use the hacks to mitigate its effects rather than switching to like stevia ice cream I mean that's just a personal choice
0: I mean I, I have stevia in my um coffee and tea yeah. I have it mixed with like a vanilla flavor one mm-hmm. and I, I think I'm I've adapted to it like we all do don't we, we yeah. when uh, sweetness first came out everyone was like oh god it tastes got really bitter yeah. but I'm totally adapted to it now and I, I don't think I'd go back and to sugar
1: are you going to try to even take it out of your coffee entirely
0: I kind of like it the pratting around you know I think it's (laughs) I like it I'm just asking I like products I like stuff you know (laughs)
1: yeah
0: um can you give us an indication of what stress does to us Mm -hmm. and our glucose and how to
1: work them so they Complement each other instead of oppose each other. Yeah. So again, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. So when I was wearing a glucose monitor for the first time and I was working in San Francisco, one day I had to give a big presentation in front of the whole company and I was super stressed, like proper, like blackout stressing. And uh, after the presentation, I looked at my glucose monitor and I see on it one of the biggest spikes I had ever seen to like 180 milligrams, which is like 10 millimoles, if you guys know the units, like really, 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 really high. And I was like, what is that? I didn't eat anything. It was just a stress response. So back in the day when we were hunter-gatherers, when we were facing a stress, let's say an animal is running towards us, our body wanted to make sure we had all the energy necessary to run away from that animal. So when you're stressed, your body tends to pump out into your system extra glucose to make sure your muscles have all the energy they need to go and sprint, right? And that evolutionary uh, just situation It's still happening today, even though the threat is not as real and we might not need to use our muscles to run away from the presentation, right? But in your body, your brain doesn't really know. So that's one thing. You can't really do much about that, to be honest. Like it's just kind of, it just happens. But then one important thing to note is that when you're on a glucose roller coaster because of how you're eating, so spike, drop, spike, drop, spike, drop, that in and of itself is stressful to your body, okay? So that's an extra stressor. That's tiring, that can exhaust you, that you feel, you know, and that actually impacts your adrenals and your thyroid, et cetera. So it's important to study your glucose levels for like a million aspects of your health.
0: I want to also touch on one of my nemesis, which is oat milk. Can you, you everyone's like, what do you mean no oat milk? It's healthy. Can you explain? Because I mean, I I got sucked into it a few years ago. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's so creamy. It's just porridge, right? It's like really refined <laughs> it's porridge. It's liquid starch. Okay, right. So, and um, what is what is the problem with it? I mean, apart from, I mean, even if you get one that doesn't have all the veg oil in, I know if you follow me, you know I hate yeah. veg oil. But what is the problem with liquid starch?
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, like I personally wouldn't say it's a problem, right? I would just want people to know what's in it, mm. and then they can make a decision. But okay, here's the deal: so oats are a grain, and grains are full of starch, and starch is just. Millions of little glucose molecules attach to each other. And when we eat starch, or we drink starch, those little glucose molecules get freed, and then they end up in our bloodstream, and they create a big spike. So when you're eating oat milk, you're essentially eating just liquid starch, and that's a big glucose spike waiting to happen. When we think about a milk, we have to think about where it comes from. And that gives us indication about the molecules inside of it. So oat milk, yeah, big glucose spike. I posted on my uh, glucose goddess account, I think, a comparison between oat milk and regular milk. And oat milk, like, it's a massive, massive spike. And people are so sad because yeah. they love oat milk. Yeah. I'm so lucky I never liked the taste. So for me, it's really easy (laughs) to be like, this is a reality, guys. But take this information and do what you want. Here's the thing. If you love oat milk, here's a few things you can do to reduce the spike of it. First of all, drink it after breakfast or after a meal instead of on an empty stomach. Okay, that's number one. You can also, if you're having a between meals, you can add a few almonds to it before, like have a little handful of something to eat, maybe half half an egg, a few nuts. Like Try to put some stuff in your system so that the glucose molecules from the oat milk doesn't arrive so quickly into your bloodstream. Another thing you can do is while you're drinking your oat milk latte, maybe go for a walk so that your muscles are contracting and are going to use some of the glucose from the oat milk as you're drinking it. But if you don't care, and you, you could do with another milk, like just, just switch, especially if, you <laughs> especially if you have symptoms that you want to try to um, help, right? So if you're feeling tired, if you have cravings, if you feel inflamed, if you have fertility issues, like that might be a place to start.
0: I mean, it's no wonder all the big uh, coffee shops have got behind it so ferociously, because you're going to be peckish. As you have it, I guess, aren't you? You're going to go, do you know what? I'm always,
1: I'm going to have a muffin with it or something. It's like when you go to the cinema and you have like the really salty popcorn and then the big soda yeah. to balance things out. Yeah. 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 It's always like sweet salt, sweet salt. So sweet you think also people who have coffee shops, there's a conspiracy there
0: absolute major, yeah, oh my tin God. Hat wearing maniac here. Oh my I mean, it is, it is, it's all about profit, people are trying to, you know, and people do enjoy it as a yeah. product, but now we know why, mm-hmm. that's what, I mean, I, I had a Chinese the other night, I loved it, God knows what it was, nobody knows, <laughs> but, you know, I know the next day I'm going to feel like technically hungover, I'm going to yeah. feel bloated and sluggish, but I know what's going on, and it's my choice, I'm not being sold, well, it's, it's just bollocks, isn't it, it's like greenwash bollocks, and you're just like, don't con me. I know what it is. It's a dessert. Exactly.
1: <laughs> it's dessert. Yeah. Exactly. That's the right way to think about it. It's dessert. Completely.
0: Right. Listen, where can people find out more? I know yep. that it's very exciting because
1: in April, is it May? May? End of April. Yeah. So I have a new book coming out. This is the first time I talk about it at all publicly, so you're the first to know. I have a new book coming out. Well done. Well done, It's called The Glucose Goddess Method. And it's a four-week guide to turning the most important glucose hacks into lifelong habits with recipes, a workbook. I did a study on 3,000 people about it. You see all their results, their stories in the book. And I'm super excited. It's because after my first book, I started getting DMs from people being like, okay, Jesse, I get it. But can you move in with me and help me actually do it? So I was like, I'm going to make a book that's like me moving in with you. And so you don't have to think. You just follow the steps. And you'll feel amazing.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Jessie, I'm so proud of you. Thanks, it's girl. so nice to meet you properly yes, for the first as a human time. being. Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> weird. Everybody, congratulations to Jessie. Isn't she wonderful? Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hack Your Health. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and please share it far and wide so everyone else can get healthier. The more people we can educate and empower will lead us to a healthier life. Okay, so we make this show for you and I'd love to get your feedback. So please do review us or DM me on Instagram at Divinia Taylor. And once again, thank you to Will Powders. Make sure you check them out at www.willpowders or at their Instagram handle, which is at willpowders. Get ahead of your cravings. This has been an Underground Fan Club production.